Feeling inspired by host Ron and Tyler? This episode of the Movie Buffs podcast is brought to you by the YouTube workout channel Time to Train Fitness. With all things YouTube, it's free. Jump into a bar class, crank out a cycling workout, or pump out a strength session. Everything you need to work out for free at home. Check out the description and subscribe today. Welcome back to the Movie Buzz Podcast, the strongest podcast in the world about movies. You are in for a treat because today I am back from outer space and I've just walked in with a sad look upon my face. And now that I've done two song references in the opening 15 seconds, we're going to go ahead and get started with the strongest podcast in the world about movies. And here today I have with me the one, the only, the ever-present and effervescent Tyler L. Tigre, the Disc Warrior Valencia. What do we got going today, Tyler? <laughs> We're going to be kicking it off with our news today. And I'm kind of excited for some of these because I'm not going to lie, I actually had these down for a previous episode that we talked about doing. And I just swapped in some newer ones, some relevant ones, but I kept some of the some of them in from a few months ago. Uh, the first one, and I don't know about you, but I was actually, I liked the older Mortal Kombat movies that came out. I don't know if it was the 90s, late 90s or um, early 2000s. And oh, early 90s, buddy. I don't know why I liked them. If you watch them now, you're probably wondering <laughs> like why they even made these. But it was so sad when Johnny Cage died in the first hey, freaking spo- scene. Spoiler alert for Mortal Kombat <laughs> Annihilation 1996. You fuck. <laughs> <laughs> how he died literally in the first scene. You're like, what the hell? And so rumor is Carl Urban is rumored to play Johnny Cage in Mortal Kombat 2. I'm happy just to hear that they're doing a sequel. I didn't think the first one, the rebooted version was that great. I think they made a terrible choice with uh, their um, their title character and this, who they're telling the story f- through. But who is your favorite character, Ron? Well, obviously it's Scorpion, but one thing I want to talk about the reboot, it's crazy because it's called Mortal Kombat, but they do everything but a Mortal Kombat. Literally, spoiler alert, at the end of the movie, they're like, hey man, let's settle this in a Mortal Kombat. And then it goes, dirt, 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 and it's over. And it's that should be the first thing you do in a Mortal Kombat movie is uh, I mean, Mortal Kombat. I'm trying to think, I know the, the guy that they have as the protagonist has some just typical name. I feel like it's like Clay or His something Cole like Young. Colton. Is it Colt? Cole Young. Cole, yeah. Like I, I remember that I posited that he was going to be a version of um what's his name? Uh Sub Zero's brother. That his name is something that is like almost a homonym with that. But they just said no, nope, he's just a guy in some orange stuff. They could have picked anybody, anybody else in that movie, and like it probably would have made it gone from like not that enjoyable to decent, in my opinion. But that's just me. It's just weird when you have 30 years of like characters that people like and you're like, fuck them, do a new one. Let's just make a new one. Let's see what what people think. Yeah. (laughs) What is like I heard the Dragon Ball Z movie is not going to be about Goku. It's going to be about uh, Mr. Satan's uncle. No idea any if you just made those characters up, if that's even a real show. But uh, next thing on here, Michael B. Jordan cast in a Tom Clancy reboot adaptation of Rainbow Six with Chad Stahelski. Uh, just on board with it. I don't know if he's going to be the director or if he's just going to produce, but Amazon already did a military type movie. I don't know if you saw that one. Um, it came out, I feel like in 2020 during the one Lock- with Michael B. Jordan. 
Yeah, I don't know if yeah, you that saw char- that. That character is the same one that's going to be in the Rainbow Six. That was so, a prequel to this. Continuing on the story, and because mm-hmm. it was a, I think it was called Tom Clancy's, like no mercy or no regrets or no regret, something like that. But yeah, it's the same character. I feel like it was just a a bland movie. Like, okay, well we we've seen this kind of storyline already. I mean, you were the only person I know who's seen it. No, you said you've seen it. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> to be fair, to be fair to everybody involved and to you, you are the only person I know who doesn't live with me. So either, <laughs> if you don't live with me or are related to me, then I don't know you unless you're Tyler. So, well, I'm. A, I will say the addition, and this is more of just kind of what I've lately been. I feel like going through with action movies, any fight sequence, ever since John Wick Four came out. And all the stunt coordinators, fight coordinators talking about their style of filming, Chad Sahelski's and <clears throat> how they set up fight scenes. And then now going back and watching anything that's from the Russo brothers, I honestly just feel like disgusted watching. <laughs> like, I don't know if you've watched Arsh, Citadel. Dude. Yeah, I'll say it. I have um, not seen Citadel and I will not see Citadel. Well, anything, I feel, I feel like they're overhyped, to be honest. And I know I'm throwing out some big daggers here, talking smack on the Russo I don't brothers. agree with what Tyler's saying here. Just, you know, uh, you know, he as d- somebody, who, somebody who plans on uh, being in some of those movies, let's just uh, not burn your bridges here, T. Because yeah. guess what? You're not invited to the premiere of Citadel <laughs> 2 that I'm, I'm going to be in. It's be <laughs> me versus Remington Mendez, who looks like Richard Madden. You could have been any character in that movie and would have made it or that in that show. I've only watched one episode, but anyways, uh, let's move on to the next one. Tron Aries is in the works with Disney. Surprising. Um, I actually liked the Tron, uh, that came out. I don't know what year that came out. I liked it. And the director from that, he's done some things since then that people actually do like Top Gun Maverick. And what? so my question is the guy for directed you, Maverick. I'm in. <laughs> He's not attached to this Tron Aries, but oh, okay. Then my my question to you, my question to you is, how does Jared Leto keep getting work, Ron? Please answer me this. Well, uh, Thirty Seconds to Mars is a cult. It's like the name of their website, so maybe that's what he's doing. I don't know. I don't know how they sometimes. Sometimes it feels like Jared Leto when he does stuff. It's like he's in a different movie from everybody else. Um, and also sometimes this is this is not something I believe. But it feels like maybe he's blackmailing somebody because he keeps showing up and stuff and they keep giving him stuff and people just don't seem to really respond. I think maybe it's because he has such a big musical following, like it'll bleed over. But then he gets over and he does Morbius, which is hilarious that they released it twice. That being said, Sony, I do love you. Live action Spider-Man 2099. You need a big Mexican guy to play Miguel O'Hara. It's it's kind of an opening. A big Mexican guy. But... uh... Wait, just I mean, to have you of, seen Spider-Man 2099 silhouette in Edge of Spider-Verse or Into the Spider-Verse? The guy's not, a freaking diesel house. He's a he's a he's brick, brick shit house. Uh he's got shoulders for days, dude. He, he <clears throat> I'm gonna stop there. I was gonna go on another new bit, but it's not a big deal, dude. It's fine. My only Jared Leto story is when we went to see Lincoln Park, 30 seconds of Mars, an AFI in concert, the Hollywood Bowl, and Lincoln Park was pissed because 30 Seconds to Mars, they didn't come out for like 30, 40 minutes and they just pushed everyone back. I can't believe you've seen AFI in concert and I haven't. Yeah. but Do you you even like AFI? I do like AFI from back in the day. What's your favorite song? What is it? Um, Gatekeeping right now. If you say Miss Murder, I'm going to fucking 
come to your house and, and upper deck view. I'd have to Spotify this to actually get the exact song, but okay. So this it's been a, a while. He's yeah, a he's a phony. He's a finagler, guys. He's a freaking carpet bagger. Don't make me cut this out of the podcast. Next question. Everything, baby. <laughs> <laughs> okay, a question to get to know Ron for the listeners, because if you haven't noticed, just in, even in the opening sequence, Ron's a a different flavor. He's a different. He's a special taste. Yeah, raspberry uh, flavored baby. Of human <laughs> or pomegranate. There you go. See, now a John Williams documentary, and you, this will come back here, is in the works with Spielberg to executive produce. And now I'm, I'm, if, wait, how is this about me? I'm confused. Don't worry. I'm going to, I'll work <laughs> it back. Okay. Okay. <laughs> now, if you're not a fan of John Williams, I don't know what kind of human being you are. A lot of classics. I've I mean, seen him at the Hollywood Bowl. It was a wonderful evening. I have seen him as well. Who is your favorite composer? See? Oof. To back. Ah, man. Okay. Let's see. I really like Ludwig Gorenson's work. Mm-hmm. Um, I can't believe Hans Zimmer. I love the. <laughs> Those are the two I can think of off the top of my head. I, I think just... I like I like Ludwig Göransson stuff because it's more. I feel like it's it's obviously more contemporary because he's under seventy. I think he's like mm-hmm. about your age, uh, which is way older than me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's a little more contemporary, and I think he has he has a, a a wide style because he does produce regular music and he does like sitcom, like he did Community and stuff. Mm-hmm. But like he has this bigger breadth of style, whereas you know the cinematic guys they have a certain language that they they compose in. Them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I would just flip flop for myself. I like both of those. I mean, I feel like I have to like uh, Ludwig because he does. He's been working a lot with Christopher Nolan these days, and oh, is he? I'm a cultist. Um, and then Hans Zimmer. I mean, so you're saying if if Christopher Nolan had a camp down in Malibu where you could pay ten thousand dollars and sleep in bed with him, you would do it. If I got to learn how he how he makes movies, I mean, I'd strongly consider it. Now, as someone who doesn't make movies, you just use it as an excuse to try to sleep in his bed. <laughs> because I mean, I'm not saying anybody that we've spoken about has a thing where they do that with their fans, but. <laughs> Is Christopher up. Nolan's bed? Do, the do your research. Do your research. <laughs> but uh, we'll move on from there and right into, I mean, in the same thread of what Ron's been saying here, Venom 3 is reportedly set to start filming in June. Again, how? How is this even possible? <laughs> they make a lot of money. For there you go. Kind of inexplicably. Yeah. Uh, they do have that Eminem song. That where he goes, I got that venom, I got that venom and denim, venom and denim, venom and denim. Uh, I thought they really missed the trick by not having Eminem, who is a very good actor. He's only done one movie that he didn't play himself, but very good in that movie. Um, they didn't have him play Cletus Cassidy. Mm. I thought it'd be interesting. Him and Tom Hardy actually are about the same age. I think, mm-hmm. I think Woody Harrelson's like 64 years old. Like it was kind of weird to have an, an actor that much older. They're supposed to play contemporaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, to have if you had Cletus turn around and it's Eminem with like he could have the same buzz cut and it's just like red. That'd be so so interesting to see Eminem do that. What's the last thing Eminem was in? Because I feel like he was in something. I was like, he wasn't that bad. Oh, he was in. Uh, he played White Boy Rick in Power BMF. One of Fifty Cent shows that he produces. He played White Boy Rick as a gotcha. like famous gangster from the eighties. Uh, I might be thinking it. He was in like the interview. 
You remember that his scene in there? Uh huh. Then he plays himself in random stuff, and obviously Eight Mile. Yeah, I think Eight Mile surprisingly is I think. Right. It, I mean, it's solid. He's I very, mean, very good. Like, there's yeah. no. It's not like you see some people like okay, they obviously got this role because they're famous. And not Justin that, Timberlake. Uh, hey. Do the reunion, I, Justin, you coward. I just had a cough. I don't know why you're, why you're talking about <laughs> That's why I said, it. hey, I just, I had a cough too. I said, do the reunion. BSB, NSYNC, 2024. You know how many girls between 26 and 41 are going to just blow all their cash on getting front row? Having seen BSB in, in concert already, um, I'm just going to throw that in there. I've already been, I've already seen, seen them. I'm not a fan of NSYNC. Uh, you you got to choose sides in life. Okay, okay. And I chose a long time ago. Okay. okay. Well, I'm a flip flopper, baby. <laughs> Makes sense. Moving on Wilson here. from Home Improvement because I'm on the fence. <laughs> um, the hell are we talking about? Oh yeah, Eminem. You don't see his wheels turning. Like you don't see him acting. He just is the character. But yeah. I've actually heard him talk about because it was so long and arduous to make that movie and how much work it took. He wasn't able to do the thing he cares about most, which is music. Mm. And I think a lot of people have this epiphany when they get on the set. I've heard a, a MMA fighter that's a podcast host, Brendan Schaub, was talking about this, that he wanted to get into acting. Then went and did the movie Tax Collector with Shia LaBeouf and David Ayer mm. and was like, holy shit, you don't do anything all day. Like part of the hard thing is that like if you're on set for 14 hours, you maybe act for like two hours. Mm-hmm. But the rest of the time is you have to stay in character. And like you can't really like if it's a sad movie, you can't really go around and fuck around and have fun. It's like I'm going to be back over there and be miserable in like 40 seconds. So he yeah. said he like he had to spend the whole movie kind of in this headspace of a guy who's like struggling and he like, had to be away from my my daughter, couldn't make music, and just sat around and kind of relive the shitty part of my life. It's a journey. And, yeah. Yeah. And he was even saying that because of that, he was like alone and he kind of spiraled out and that it contributed to his increased drug use. Hmm. So he, so I think I heard him say that that's part of the reason why he never really went back to do more movies. He was supposed to star in Southpaw, mm-hmm. the Dick Gyllenhaal movie, uh, but co- scheduling conflict with Dr. Dre's next album, he was like, you know what? Again, this is where I'm going to choose my music. That's why he did a bunch of original songs for that. But that was supposed to be his character. Hmm. Interesting. So that would have been back, a... Yeah, looking at that, you can kind of see a little bit of Eminem personality leaking into who Gyllenhaal is playing. Oh, I get it now. Like a little bit of the accent, a little bit of the swagger. Haven't seen the movie, but I've seen the trailers. So. You've never seen Southpaw? It's on like Netflix? No, I might watch it today because I'm going to work a little boxing later. Interesting. Okay, well, moving on here. <laughs> then to get some breakdown as we continue to warm up for our uh, our main set and also our little sketch that we got planned for you. Captain I don't do America- little sketches, baby. I do big boys. I know. Captain America 4 will feature Rachel Lighten's Diamondback as a villain potential love interest of Sam Wilson. Ronald, do what you do. Give us a breakdown of who this character is. Well, you know what I'm going to have to do then is go to the internet because I've never heard of that character. <laughs> never? I mean, dang it. No. Totally just backfired right here. I'm guessing Diamondback's part of the Serpent Society, but that's all I know. Okay. I think we'll, we'll just have to cut that question out there. No, no. Keep now, it in. I want. I, I like that. You know where something's going good, right? Okay, it was going like a, good. This is this is like a parable for life, everybody out there. So you have to keep this in because I'm going to refer back to it. A parable? So you know, thing, yeah. Things are going good, right? Things are going well. Oh, Tyler has a big drink. You think you have a big drink? I am big drink, you little son of a bitch. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. Oh, shit. Keep I debated. I debated. If I was in a, 
if I was going to show that because I knew you'd uh, say he's something. got four drinks. He's got four drinks. I dropped something. What was I saying? Oh, yeah. So, you know, how when things are going good in life and all of a sudden you just hit a wall and your momentum dies and your life is ruined for, for a day or two. That's what happened with this segment. So I want you to keep that in because everybody can learn that even for seasoned pros, even for the best of the best, the creme de la creme, you and I, mostly me, things go wrong sometimes. I can't imagine how many fans we just lost right there. But I, I can't uh, imagine how many we gained. <laughs> Superman casting rumors, of course, continue to come out every week. And the funny thing to me is always James Gunn will reply to some of them. And I forgot the name of the account that he always calls out. I think he might have something out for her. But I just <laughs> want to know, who is your fanboy request? Who do you hope they cast as <gasps> Superman? Um, I can't think of the guy's name, but he's like a young teen actor. He just looks exactly. I was watching... Um, What's it called? Uh, Nando V Movies. You ever seen his Mm-mm. his um his YouTube channel? He does really good, like oh, pitching. Like it's kind of what we do when you and I talk bullshit on our own time. It's like hypothetically, what about this version of the character for the next thing, whatever? Mm-hmm. And I gotta look up this kid, but he was showing clips of he did like ten actors, and he's like, I'll show clips to show like, okay, do they have, they look like him? Do they have like the farm boy charisma? Can they be like you know physically imposing? Do they you know, all this stuff? And they showed this guy's thing and it was literally like, it looked like a uh, fan casting, like a um, fan trailer for why mm-hmm. I should be Superman. It was like some teen movie and he played like the cool teen counselor to the main girl. And, but you know, usually that character is kind of douchey. He's just like sweet the whole time. Mm-hmm. And like, she, there's a scene that he showed where she gets hurt and he like carries her and he's just like holding the girl and like telling her little jokes to make her feel better. And like, oh man, that is just, that is very like what Superman really should be. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that I've heard people say is like, Superman, he should be big and should be tough, obviously. Like, he, he needs to look like Superman. But demeanor wise, you want Superman to be the guy. It's like, I want to give you a hug. Like, I just feel safe. And Henry Cavill, I think, was really good. Obviously, incredible looking man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he never got a chance to portray that. And so we never, I don't know if that's something that he could give as Superman just because I've never seen it. So I really would love to see an actor who, like, you see him, and you're just like, Oh, that seems like a warm, welcoming, like safe person. Because, you know, Superman's characterization in the Snyder was kind of always like brooding. <laughs> That's all he on. Oh, my, I have a beard now, but, you know, he did the jaw muscle flex like Tom Welling did and would go. Mm-hmm. That's all, you know, I want to see a Superman who's just like light and bright and fun. And that way, when you go to those dark moments, it means something. Like when that Clark killed Zod. A big emotional breakdown and he's sad and tortured. You're like, yeah, he's been sad and tortured the whole movie. So one of the things about like a performance or a script is like, if it goes like this, you never like have this, your, this was that moment. He was sad. Yep. A little bit sadder, a little bit sadder when his dad died, a little bit sadder when Zod died, but you never had like, oh, he was the only moment where he looked like Superman is when he learned how to fly. Yeah. And I was like, oh, that felt like Superman. Anyway, big tangent. I don't know. Find this kid's name. I'll find it. <laughs> yeah. Well, you can look it up while I go off on this tangent here. I mean, one of the things that we talk about with castings, and I think the last time we did this kind of breakdown was when we talked about Predator and that version of Predator that came out that was a surprise because mm-hmm. they, ca- they cast Adrian Brody as oh, yeah, yeah. The, uh, the main character. And I mean, the director was talking about how he wanted a actor first not saying mm-hmm. that henry cavill is an actor i mean i know there might be some fanboys out there that might take that the wrong way me saying that 
uh, Henry Cavill. I've watched so many things with Henry Cavill. Like I knew him before he was Superman and, you know, his background and uh, him being the most unlucky man in Hollywood. But, <laughs> you know, the big issue that we're running into right now with Henry Cavill is how he's become expensive. He's become expensive. Mm-hmm. And, you know, some of the things that we want to see, of course, I would have loved to see Superman 2. I would have loved to see Superman 2 back in the day. Yeah. And we never got that because of, I don't want to go off on too big of a tangent there, but we never got that. And I think that that's where we would have saw more character development. And I mean, really, how much have we seen of Henry Cavill over the Snyderverse that makes you, I know that some, a lot of people are upset about it and it's because he's a great guy. Like you love him as the Witcher. You like him as... Superman, I mean, I like he seems him. like a likable individual just in real life, which is huge because a lot yeah. of people don't. <laughs> yeah. And so I'm just going to say that whoever we do get as Superman, I feel like we're going to get an actor that can act. Mm-hmm. And that's not, again, throwing any shade at anybody from DC. I'm just saying that it's that we're going to get an actor that's going to be able to play the role in this movie and future movies and whatever comes forward. Yeah. That kind of brings me to something that I was thinking of during guardians, which is uh, will Poulter's character when he's flying, I leaned to my wife and I was like, James Gunn was practicing like an interesting way to, cause that's a different version of seeing a character fly that we've seen in the MCU or yeah. DC thus far. And I was like, Oh, okay. And I know will Poulter was on the short list to be the Batman. Mm. So I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being a big name character in the DC because you know, James Gunn likes to work with his people he likes, and I don't blame yeah. him. Like I said, circling back to being on a movie set, if you have to be at work for 16 hours a day, five to six days a week for six straight months in a different like country than you live in, you're going to want to do it with people you don't hate. Mm-hmm. So that's why when you see um, people work together over again, it just makes sense. Like, you know, if you had to go without your wife, without your cats, <laughs> at least you'd want to be there with somebody that doesn't suck ass. Yeah. Oh, and here's the kid I was talking about. His name is uh, Wolfgang Novogratz. That looks very Superman, right? And he's 6'3". Oh, wow. He's a stud. He, he looks exactly like a drawing of Superman. But um, well, yeah, when I saw he And funny segue here to the last question for the warm-up. And I don't know if Ron looked at the outline I made. Most of the times he doesn't. Because he, he, <laughs> like, he wants a surprise. Baby. He wants a surprise element, but the last question here, uh, this last week was the premiere of Guardians, and that's the be the main topic of our episode here. And he was asked, of course, James Gunn, I'm talking about, was asked, will at least or anybody from the Guardians be seen in Superman Legacy? And he said at least one. And I want to know, who's your guess, Ron? Who is your guess or guesses <laughs> of who? I feel like there's a couple like low-hanging fruit ones, but... Um, who do you think? Um, I honestly think that Batista will show up in Superman at some point. Wow. I think it, I think it would be interesting to have somebody like him, especially cause he's like, you can tell that this is just conjecture here. Obviously no, no, um, inside knowledge, but you can tell maybe some of his special sports supplement usage has dwindled because his size has come down a lot in recent years. Even his like face shape has changed. He's starting to look, he's starting to look a man his age. He's in his fifties. But he's even said, he's like, I don't want to play the big bruiser. I'm not that guy anymore. I'm, I'm an actor in his fifties. I want to be an actor and we've seen him be a great actor, but it would be very interesting to see him play one of these 
characters who isn't known for their physicality or maybe isn't known for that up front. Like imagine him, okay, with a little chin strap beard, little uh, round glasses like this and his head shaved, right? He's got a lab coat on and he's obsessed with finding out who Bruce Wayne is or who Batman is. Maybe a little guy named Mm -hmm. Hugo Strange, Mm -hmm. right? And then even without him having superpowers, you put him in a lab coat, right? And you line him up next to any actor you have to play Superman or sorry, to play Batman. And even though he's a regular guy, like, oh, I could see this guy being an issue still. Because he's big, he's bulky. I think he's like six, somewhere between six three and six six. So he's huge. Mm-hmm. So something like that, I think, would be a really interesting use of these people instead of being like, "Oh, he should play Bane." I know he wanted to, but please, guys, give us Bane. Bane is one of the few A list characters, especially A list villains, that is a Latino. He's from a fictional country because it's a fictional prison island, but he is written and designed to be a Latino man. So give him to us, okay? I know everybody loves Dave Bautista, but he is Filipino. He is not Latino. <laughs> um, I gotta say, I gotta interject there to say that I always just love Ron is <laughs> Ron is a Latino, a Latino man, and I always laugh that whenever any word that is Mexican or Latino or whatever you want, how to phrase it, he just turns on the secret accent that he's that he pulls out of nowhere and <laughs> i'm just like where did this come from like well, are you a different you know man? you know because you were at my wedding drunk me is even better at spanish i can have full conversations <laughs> in spanish when i'm hammered sober i can do i can throw my accent on but uh my father-in-law was even we were talking at my wedding in spanish and he's like well you know you spoke spanish and i went what <laughs> like, yeah. i didn't know i did fluent yeah, me neither, me neither. Fluent. <laughs> what the hell did that happen <laughs> I'm going to I'm I'm going to save our our cameos for later on mm-hmm. in the podcast. I would say that we're probably going to see a lot of the smaller roles filled by um the ones that you've seen across the Guardians or even in Definitely. Suicide Squad. Um but I feel like I wouldn't be surprised if we had at least one of the main Guardians in Superman Legacy for exactly what you said that yeah. Every director does it. I mean, why? Have, why did we see Robert De Niro, you know, de-aged in whatever that last Scorsese movie? That <laughs> I was, was just talking about this yesterday because I started watching Grudge Match before bed. Remember that one? Yeah. And they're de-aged. It looks terrible. But I was like, you know, I got to give credit because Stallone is only three years younger than De Niro, but he still moves like a adult person. Robert mm-hmm. De Niro has moved like an hundred year old man since yeah. nineteen ninety four. <laughs> And so when they de-aged him, he was like, oh, I'm going to beat your ass, young man. Like, dude, that's an old guy in a mask. Like, it looks crazy. <laughs> There's the reason why sometimes de-aging doesn't work because old people, older people, are old. Don't move. they don't move the same, you know? Like, Stallone, because he stayed so active and athletic, he still does move like an active athletic man. Somebody like, can you not so much? Yeah. And, I mean, I know you started off talking about the potential supplements that actors may take. Yeah. And I thought it was funny just before this recording, there was one of those YouTube, I was watching a YouTube video and it was, you might've seen this celebrity trainer talking about how celebrities get in shape for their roles and he's become popular because he's right. And I'm just like, come on, <laughs> come on. <laughs> there's no, there's no secret <laughs> meal or, or program yeah. that you're giving them. But anyways, it's, that's it's, a, special, it's special sports supplements, chicken and broccoli and lies. <laughs> Because if anybody out there, I know Tyler and I have done this, if you've ever tried to gain muscle, right? (laughs) 
have you ever gained 40 pounds of muscle in the three months leading up to also being shredded on camera? <laughs> have you? So two things are at play there. One, you lied because you're not going to gain that much muscle, even on an incredible amount of steroids that could kill a rhinoceros. And two, you're on this, you're on steroids. That's why you did the muscle gain. Like that's how your body composition changed so drastically to increase lean mass while losing fat mass. That's not how it works. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. That's it we got for the news. We are going to get to our sketch. Yeah, we are. You heard the promo about time to train fitness and you're thinking, how do I get some dumbbells? There's really only two products that I recommend when it comes to at-home fitness. And one of those are the core home fitness adjustable dumbbells. If you're already following the YouTube workouts, these are the dumbbells that I use, me, Tyler, and you've probably seen me adjust them between the weights super fast. Along with adjusting quickly, they go from five pounds to 50 pounds and feel great in the hands. Head to the link in the description and grab yourself a pair. You have the free workouts on YouTube and will now have the dumbbells to help you reach your fitness goals. Let's get to the episode. So we're going to get now to a little sketch here that I've had saved for a few months. Now, if you are new to the world, uh, oblivious to anything that's been going on with movies, comic book movies, you probably don't know, and I'm saying that you are that oblivious person, that James Gunn is going over to DC and that he's rebooting along with his producer, Peter Safran. Uh, they're basically going to be rebooting and they, in the last month, I think, released their five-year plan and what they're going to be doing with the movies. And I mean, there's been some backlash with some potential or with the idea that a lot of favorite characters are going to be recasted. Mm -hmm. But to get to the fun part of this, Real sketchy. I know that I got a little dark there. We're going to play a little game called Should They Stay or Should They Go? Now, the key will be, because this is just for fun, we're not going to go too in-depth, just maybe just quick bullet points, but a big stay or go on these actors or actresses, okay? Now, I have um, a handful of these that we're going to go through. So quick thought and stay or go. Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. Um, I, I mean, not a spoiler cause it was in the trailer, but she's in Shazam. Mm -hmm. Uh, and he's even said that, I think I've heard him say that she will probably be sticking around. So I don't really have to theorize, I guess. I want you to know for yourself though, do you want her to stay or go? Um, I could take her earlier. I mean, we got a few appearances. I think we've seen what she definitive answer, Ronald. Yes. I was getting there. Or no. I think we've seen what she's doing with the character and uh, we could do a different person. I honestly think it would it would probably suit them to go with somebody else just to <laughs> clean it up. I agree. I I wasn't the biggest uh, fan when she got cast. I Yes, she's a beautiful woman. Um, I liked when she <laughs> was introduced in back when I used to watch the Fast and Furious movies. I don't watch them anymore. And... <laughs> <laughs> but I was surprised that she was cast, but um, I always just thought she was okay. Mm. And uh, if they did get someone else that had a, uh, I think some people might be mad for me to say this, but better acting chops, I think we would all be pleased with it. Now, big one here, the big one that caused a lot of drama here, Henry Cavill as Superman. I think obviously he is going I think yeah. they should bring him back in a later multiverse event, maybe have him since he's kind of already played the dark version of Superman the whole time. 
maybe have him come back as like a kingdom come style Superman, like they did mm-hmm. with Brandon Ralph mm-hmm. in the Crisis on Infinite Earths event. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to? Do we want to like for some of these throw in? Who do you think would be a good replacement? We already did Superman. Um, no, it's just the okay. act. It's okay. Just those well, words, okay? For a gal get it, I do think we maybe find someone a little more muscular. You know, you always see Wonder Woman. She's a kind of a she's not Selena. a beefy thin lady. Yeah, she's yeah. she's muscular. She's strong. So maybe an actor. I mean, an actress who's um you know more along those lines would be nice. Okay, so Henry Cavill, you're saying bring him back in the future, but you're fine right if he goes. Okay, he, he's gone, so I got to be fine with it, baby. Sometimes, you know, there are things you can control and the things you can't, and the wisdom is knowing the difference. <laughs> Ben Affleck as Batman. I, according to him, his best performance as Batman yet is in the flash. He said he finally figured out what he needed yeah. to do for it. Yeah. And honestly, his Batman could physically beat up all the other Batman. We've seen them all fight. He's the only one who you've seen fight. You're like, Oh, that guy can kick ass. Christian Bale with a lot of foreheads and elbows. Um, and a lot of them, I know you love Christian, Christian, Christopher Nolan and mm-hmm. makes great movies doesn't cover action super well a lot of those elbows and headbutts do blatantly miss and then guys are just falling down left and right ben affleck yeah he's a murderer but he murdered way better than the other guys i'd like to see him come back and i do think we'll see him again down the line same way with with um cavill mm-hmm. i think you know obviously they're erasing that universe via the flash but i think he will pop up somewhere again yeah I, I, same with i, I would be fine if he came but another casting that i was not <laughs> pleased with i've never you, been the biggest you said you'd be fine fan. if he came <laughs> i've got a couple it. kids so i think he's come a couple times yeah disgusting man <laughs> i think my some of my family listens to this but we'll keep it rolling no no cut that part out <laughs> no definitely staying in cut um, that out tyler tyler said a slur and he's trying to cover it with, now you uh, have to cut it with Ben Affleck, I mean, I've never been the biggest fan of him, and I just I know some people love his love his Batman, but to me, I mean, I might even I'm not even a fan of Pattinson, but I feel like that Batman that man I'm a fan of that Batman's um, the second best fighter for sure, but he doesn't have that like quasi superhuman abilities that this Superman super Batman has. What I can say that I think we'll both agree with is that George Clooney's Batman is one of the worst ones. I'm always saying that right now because <laughs> just bring it back up because uh, I'm watching it right now. Like, oh, okay. I'm like on like my fifth attempt. It used to be one of my favorite movies when I was a kid. And when you didn't know anything in, in life and you just like bright lights and uh, neon <laughs> colors, but um, it has that in space. It's just so bad. It's just so bad. And even just like him on frame, like when he's just like moving around on the screen, you're just like, what is he doing? Like he just he, seems bored. He just seems like he's just like a stunt up. Like he's just there for his looks, which he is. But we'll yeah. keep moving here. Jason Momoa is Aquaman. Uh, he's back, obviously, for one more movie. And it's almost, I think, I don't know how solidly confirmed it is, but he's playing Lobo in the new DC universe. So I think they're just going to do this movie. And then he's like, nope, he's somebody else now. He might, I don't, my question is if he's going to be both because he's definitely going to be Lobo. Mm-hmm. So. so again, definitive answers should they stay? as that character or should they go no no get rid of him okay amy adams as lewis lane get rid of her it doesn't make any (laughs) sense now if she's wonderful actor obviously but she's in her 40s and they're going for a superman who's in his mid to early 20s or playing that what how's that dynamic going to work and why would it work 
I, she's a wonderful actor. I just never liked her as Lois Lane either. I want a brunette Lois Lane. Okay. <laughs> I don't know why. Bring back <laughs> Terry Hatcher. She's even older. <laughs> this is going to be a good one here, uh, just because it's one that you and I joke about through uh, IG Messenger. Never talked about anything in my life. And uh, you've been joking about for years. Ezra Miller as the Flash. Not only are they staying as the Flash, they're staying as two Flashes. I think this is because of everything that's been happening with the the clout that's been building and the excitement that's been building for the Flash. They put James Gunn, the studio, in a hard position. If mm-hmm. this movie isn't, from what we hear, it's going to kick ass. I mean, everybody that I listen to do breakdowns and the way that they talk about it, people that have seen it already, if it is what they say it is, they put them in such a hard position. <laughs> Literally. I don't, I don't yeah, know how, just, he, how he can get away with all that stuff, but yet continue in a role when we've seen people lose roles for, I mean, still bad stuff. But Maybe like, the Flash is just going to always have the mask on. <laughs> you know how in the CW sometimes they'll, like, they'll be doing the speed no, blur where they can't see their no, face? No, I don't know. I don't watch CW okay. shows. Okay, well... Maybe they'll just have the flash doing a little speed blur the whole time. And they're like, no, it's not. Don't worry about it. I don't know. Yeah, they're they're Like you said, they're in a pickle. Yeah. Should they stay? No. But Should they go? I mean, are they going to? Probably. Ray Fisher or Cyborg? Ray Fisher or Cyborg. Poor guy never actually got to play Cyborg. <laughs> I, know. Uh, I wish they, I mean, they could totally bring him back because I don't think he got a chance. So even if you're like, oh, new universe, you're like, okay, I don't know if. We know from the box office that nobody went to go see Justice League anyway. So most people don't even know that the <laughs> character's ever been in anything. Um, other than, you know, there's a version of him that's on the Doom Patrol. I'd say bring him back for the movies. I hope they do. I really do. He's a great actor. He's never got a shot. I will say that one go, but to follow it up. And this is just a joke for real listeners that I just feel like he's hitched his wagon to the wrong, wrong bus there with uh, backing Snyder. No, and again, this is a joke. Backing he's Snyder. He's in Rebel Moon, though, isn't he? Um, mm-hmm. I think he's got... Zack Snyder's another person that likes to work with people he likes. So, you know, he's got that multi-picture deal with Netflix. So he's going to get... He can work, but... Yeah, but uh, Jimmy Irons as Alfred? No. J.K. Simmons as Commissioner Gordon? Mm. I think did he play Commissioner Gordon in the Batgirl movie? Who was that Commissioner Gordon? I don't know. I don't. I don't know. So go. Uh, n- no, I. He could have done something great, but he didn't get a chance. And yeah, well, I mean, these last two ones, I think, is a good point or a good exercise. And these ex- some of these actors have not really been in the DC universe, <laughs> so recasting them not the Glorified biggest cameos. Yeah, <laughs> not the biggest deal. Amber Heard as Mara. Um, I've never really been a fan. I know of forgetting all the outside controversy, which we still don't actually know what happened mm-hmm. there. She lost a defamation trial, but it doesn't necessarily clear Johnny Depp of anything. And it doesn't necessarily clear her of anything. Mm-mm. That's either here nor there. Not a huge fan of her acting style. Um, And don't think that there was necessarily anything she brought to that role that couldn't be brought by somebody else. And I think Momoa should go out of Aquaman. So replace them all i mean that was the big thing before we saw aquaman was do they have any onset chemistry does mm-hmm. it look like they can act together and it was fine 
I know we <laughs> talked about it in the podcast a long time ago. Yeah. It was it fine, looked, but... Their chemistry looked like they met for a job. Like they <laughs> met to do this job. It wasn't like, I mean, I know they're not supposed to know each other super well, but they're supposed to like have chemistry. I, I kind of feel like not that Jason Momoa is not a a stud and a good looking man, but like I, I kind of feel like I like Jason Momoa, like how I like The Rock, that I don't want to see The Rock ever having any relationship on screen. I don't <laughs> want to see him kissing anybody. Don't mm-hmm. touch any female. I just want to see you breaking a stuff. Ho- a lot of hover hands. Doing some of this, just walking around with, with your shirt <laughs> off. And that's all I want to see The Rock doing. And okay. I kind of feel the same with Jason Momoa. And that's just my, that's just me. Willem Dafoe as Volko. <laughs> no, I, Willem Dafoe, they shouldn't have never cast him as that role anyway. He's mm-hmm. way too talented and way too, like, just electric of a performer to have him be Aquaman's, like, backup mentor. What? Mm-hmm. Like, have you seen him play anything? Why I was would you say, waste just, him for that? We literally just had him as Green Goblin. And that was, I feel like, a whole segment that you and I went off on with Willem Dafoe. <laughs> And his performance and everything he's ever in. He's just a fantastic performer to waste him as like a third tier guy like that. Like in, I bet you John wick, if they'd known they were going to do four, they would not have killed his character in the first one. Cause I was watching a breakdown. I was like, I forgot he's in that. That He would have been amazing to have him kind of like peppered through some of the other movies. He's just, we watching like one of those vanity fair breakdowns with him. No, it was watching oh. like uh, it was Easter eggs from number four about the other ones. Gotcha. And Jesse like, oh, Eisenberg. He wasn't that. No. Jesse Eisenberg. Nope. <laughs> Chris no, Pine I, as Steve Trevor. We're moving on. No. Again, who cares? That's not a character that anybody cares about. Chris Pine, obviously crazy, charismatic, but who gives a shit about who plays Steve Trevor? Don't yep. do with Steve Trevor. We don't need that character. <laughs> yep. Last one Michael Shannon as Zod. Obviously, he's coming back. Again, he's phenomenal. He, I've never seen Michael Shannon in something where we don't go, one, credible performance. Two, now he's so good, you don't know anything about that guy. You know, there's some actors who, it's not their, it's just a style where they're personality actors. Like Ryan Reynolds, people love him. He plays Ryan Reynolds because people love him. I don't know jack shit about Michael Shannon. He could be freaking the most boring guy in the world, but he's so good. You just, whoever character he plays, he is obviously playing Zod again. So we just keep him coming back as Zod forever and ever and ever and ever and ever. But he's amazing. So yeah. I mean his role in Bad Boys 2, that that white supremacist that he plays. Whoo. He's in Bad Boys 2? You didn't know that? Oh my God. He's I'm gonna a- go back and watch it. All I remember is when Martin Lawrence gets shot in the ass. Mike Lowry. Oh. He's the guy that they stuff in the trunk, the car that they steal from what is that? Court <laughs> Dan Marino. He's like the guy that they stuff in the bu- in the back of it. They go through the, the whole boot. chase. And, um, but anyways, that's the guy ex- in the boot. What about, um, have, his role in knives out was also phenomenal. Correct. I agree. Well, that has been this little exercise and I feel like it was an enlightening segment that we had here. Not so much for comedic effect, but enlightening for anybody that's like upset I know, I, for anything. I was, in, I was enlightened before we started. That's for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, just understanding that these characters, they're not really in that many movies are like you don't really know much about them so <laughs> recasting them isn't gonna hurt anybody a quick promo break here in this episode if you've been a fan of our podcast you've probably already heard me tyler one of your hosts talk about the naboso insoles if you are ever wondering about oh what are insoles how do they help my feet 
Are they really useful? I got to tell you that I've been wearing these Duo insoles for probably a year and a half now, and I think they're game changers. If you sit at a desk, if you are on your feet, so basically anybody for anybody in the world, they can really help with your health. If you ever have foot pain or if you have any type of issues with your feet, these can be a game changer for you. Hopefully you take my word on it. You head to the link in the description, you buy yourself a pair and you come back and you share it that, oh, I actually bought those insoles and they actually do work. You know, that'd be something that we'd love to hear, love to see, because that means that you're working on your health. That's it for the promo break. Let's get back to the episode. All right. So we're getting to that main set. The thing you've all been waiting for, probably the only thing anybody wanted to hear. <laughs> That's our review of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3, written and directed by none other than James Gunn, as were the previous two installments, starring Christopher Prattley as Starford Lord, uh, Bradley Coops as the little uh, rubber raccoon, <laughs> David Bautista as Dax de Croyer, uh, Chakudi Iwuji as the High Evolutionary, Palm Clementif as Mantis, Karen Gilliansley as, uh, what's her character's name? Nebula. <laughs> uh, Mark Sinclair as the voice of Groot, and Will Poulter as uh, Adam Warlock, not to forget Zoe Saldana. I was about to say, I feel like I left somebody off there. (laughs) This guy literally left off the woman who is in the four highest grossing movies. She's the only person to ever be in four $2 billion movies. Isn't that insane? People forget because like, you know, she's in, she's a different color in all four of them. She must be, I hope she got a percentage of each of those movies and just lives in like, she has yachts that are all lined up with little like planks. Yeah, she has a fleet of yachts that are all like chained together. So she's like, this is my bedroom yacht. That's like my kid's bedroom yacht. That yacht is for the kitchen. And they just float around burning fossil fuel. Not because I want to do that. I'm just saying because she hopefully has that kind of money because good on her. All right. So Tyler, what can you say about this movie? Well, let's start with the IMDb storyline. Now, this is very basic, um, which will kind of lead us into our spoiler questions. This is a spoiler included podcast episode we do have spoiler free episodes but this is a spoiler (laughs) included so that's your one warning here still reeling from the loss of gamora peter quill rallies his team to defend the universe and one of their own a mission that could mean the end of the guardians if not successful so this build up to (laughs) that's your spoiler alert ladies and gentlemen setting it off one more time (laughs) to this volume sorry the last <laughs> game on. Okay. The last installment from James Gunn. And I mean, there's a lot of what ifs. Is this going to be who's is somebody going to die or some of these characters coming back? A lot of those theories coming around. And I will say that this installment, I mean, that it really just didn't disappoint. I didn't include a recommendation for us to go through because I'm going to say right off the bat that I thoroughly enjoyed it. And I'm sure anybody that's a fan of the Marvel movies is going to see it regardless of if they heard it was bad or not. I mean, it's one of those ones that you want to see what happens in the third one. And I think it is also a way for James Gunn to, to say, you know, I'm back and like, I'm, I'm really kicking butt after the drama that we saw with uh, him, you know, getting fired from Marvel, him going to DC to do Suicide Squad, and then ultimately coming back to direct Volume Three because don't forget about Peacemaker starring. Yep, and Peacemaker because before that, prior 
you know, there was talks about how James Gunn was going to be kind of the head of the, what do you want to call it? The universal side or the cosmic side of the Marvel uh, storylines. And now he's going over to DC to be basically their, um, you know, head of studio. So uh, let's kind of start with the, I call it the walking out of the theater opinion. Basically, what is your initial thought? I think once you walk, after you see it, your opinion on it, what you felt, what you think about it is kind of different than after you still want it. watch breakdowns, listen to podcasts. Ron, what was your walking out of the theater opinion of the movie? My first knee-jerk reaction was that enjoyable. I got to say, this is probably the first um, Marvel project since uh, legitimately since Endgame that I can wholeheartedly recommend. Mm-hmm. Um, some stuff like Black Panther 2 I thought was good. But a lot of it was like, why would they do that? It's just there's a lot of holes that you could tell. We talked about it that you could felt like they had parts that they had to change because of the untimely passing of Chadwick. It mm-hmm. ended up not feeling like a whole movie. Mm-hmm. You know, Spider-Man No Way Home was fun, but if it's basically only for people who loved those movies, like it's not. If you took out the cameos, there is no movie, so I couldn't yeah. wholeheartedly recommend it. This one, I was like, I would tell anybody that go watch it. it was, yes, you have to have some knowledge of the other ones, but they do kind of explain it because they even say like, oh, you know. It, without being overly um, exposition heavy, they do kind of reiterate what's going on, what the stakes are, uh, mm-hmm. and there's enough flashbacks. And then because of a point we're going to hit on later, the main thrust of the story is self-contained here, which is Rocket's story. Like yep. You don't really need to know a lot. You just need to know they're a team. This is one of their characters, and this is what's happening to them. Yeah. Uh, the other big knee-jerk reaction I thought of was they really didn't use... Adam Warlock at all. That was weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's it. That's all I got to say before we move on to the next thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, for me, it was all the things that Ron already mentioned and a really a wow. Like that was how you use so many different characters, so many different arcs, how you tie up so mm-hmm. many storylines from three different movies in one movie without really? it getting at, at really a Really five, five movies. Yeah, I mean, with uh, Endgame. Yeah, the Gamora stuff is Infinity War. Infinity War. And with all that stuff, having all culminate in one movie, and nothing got so overwhelmed. I mean, I feel like, and I told this to uh, my wife as we were driving home, was how with that many characters, that many storylines, that many things to wrap up, the one piece that's usually covered up, and I feel like we saw this in the James Bond movie, is the villain. The main villain is usually the one that gets covered up or that you don't feel what their intentions are. Why are they doing what they do and even feel any type of fear of what their wrath could be because there's so many other things that you have to do. And I feel like this one, uh, volume three, it handled all of those so well. Yeah. Oh, actually, sorry, six movies they're tying up because of the Guardian special because they include that. They directly go off that. Yep. Um, but yeah, I think that James Gunn said this about Chuck Woody was that when he cast him to be in Peacemaker, he was like, this is the best actor I've ever worked with. Wow. He's an amazing person. And so he wrote that high evolutionary thing just for him. He's like, I would not do that movie if they wouldn't let me cast him. Um, and I, you feel that. And mm-hmm. I think I wouldn't be surprised. Obviously, his character Mern dies in Peacemaker. Spoiler alert. But I would not be surprised <laughs> if he at least comes back. He's definitely going to come back at least as a voice actor for uh-huh. some other character in the DCU. 
But I wouldn't be shocked if they're just like, no, fuck it. This guy just happens to look like Mern. But I could see him being Lex Luthor. Could I, imagine that that gravitas and he feels smart. Like, you know, the high evolutionary supposed to be the smartest person you ever some people some corners of the galaxy call him God. Mm-hmm. He felt like you felt like this is a man who is purely in control and is very much the most intelligent thing anywhere. So yeah. you apply it to like a Lex Luthor type character, like, oh my God, that would be riveting. Have him be Lex Luthor who owns the Daily Planet. And Clark figures out that, oh man, this guy's actually kind of evil, but he's also our boss. And then it's just, I don't know, I could see him. I definitely need to see more of his man. Yeah, I could see, I mean, the way that I'm sure we'll talk about him throughout this episode, that he could be an actor that both studios are going to be fighting over. Oh um, yeah, everyone's going to fight over this guy. He was yeah. phenomenal. We're going to talk about um, you know him and and Kang and later on in this episode, but mm-hmm. I mean he's somebody that you can tell that he can act, that you could tell that everything he says isn't happening. Even in this movie, the pace in which he just kills a whole whole planet. <laughs> spoiler just, alert! Yeah, we oh we threw the spoiler already. <laughs> yeah, I already said spoiler alert, so yeah. I'm not. I don't feel bad for saying it. Yeah, but the, just, the pace at which he does it. Eh. No, you're just like what? No remorse. No, like I'm going to do this. He's like, let's go. Boom, done. Yeah, and then he even mentions that he's done it over and over and over again. So he just has no problem. Yep, I, I really am. I'm happy they did it on Counter Earth too. So it's not that thing of like obviously they're going to save the planet. Like no, they did fail. Mm-hmm. The Guardians let that was billions of people died. Good point. That's a good like, point. I didn't think it, of that it, one. Yeah, even without realizing it, like it adds to the stakes because if they do it on Earth, like that's what I didn't love about uh, Volume Two is Ego's thing on Earth. Obviously, they're going to be fine. And then where are all the mm. other heroes? Like, you don't think yeah. like Iron Man's going to see this giant tentacle, but let's send a couple Hulkbusters over there and fix that. So I thought that kind of threw that whole movie off for me. So for this one to be on a different planet where they can blow up the whole planet. And yes, their stakes. Be, I mean, the stakes are lower because we don't live on counter Earth, mm-hmm. but you still know it's a planet. We see all the people there and they just fucking die. And That's so in your head, point. yeah, with like emotionally, you really like even without uh being cognizant of you're like, oh, this guy really is that dangerous. He doesn't give a mm-hmm. fuck. He wants all of them dead. He's only bargaining because he needs Rocket's brain. <laughs> like if he could just if they could go decapitate him, the brain wouldn't die from lack of oxygen. They would just do that because that's the easy version, you know? I feel like what you're talking about now with it being on counter earth, that is literally the argument or the issue that's a lot of people have with the Marvel movies is why didn't this character show up? Why didn't yeah. Uh, XYZ happened to that. Where is Thor? Why couldn't Thor have just come save them? Just do everything. <laughs> that is literally the argument that everybody always yeah. comes up with because it's true. And it, 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 it's being on a, another a wholly different uh, planet and it being destroyed. I mean, it it, it really <laughs> solves so many different things right there. Yeah. Yeah. So good point there. That's, uh, yeah. And that's an issue, like you said, that all of these universes need to consider. Because yeah. it's not enough to just say, I mean, I think in Iron Man 3, they ask, well, where's the rest of the Avengers? He's like, I don't want to call them. Yeah. Oh, is that is that it? <laughs> but they kidnap the fucking president. Like, <laughs> you're not, you just don't want the help. Like, no, that makes your character look stupid. And it throws off the whole flow. Like, the believably goes out of the window. You're like, you have a friend who can pick up a building. Just call him. Yeah. Have him kill all the minions for you. You can take the glory and beat up the manor. Like, it's... So to have that separation, and I think James Gunn does a really good job of that because like you see the um, Starhawk and the rest of the Ravagers 
like, oh, where would they be at? Why didn't they call him up? They did call him for help. They say, we don't want to cross this guy. We will be here to help you infiltrate, but we will not physically go there because he is a fucking dangerous person. Yeah. So it's like, okay, that's a legitimate answer to have the other characters be like, no. Nope. Yeah. We're, just, we're not handling it because we don't want his wrath. And that's fair. But to just yeah. go, I don't know, they just weren't there or whatever. Yeah. Uh, it, all good points. Um, another thing to kind of build off of this and talking about now segueing to, um, you know, the story of this, the intentions of the movie with the Guardians and why they go on this mission. But, mm-hmm. um, and we've heard this for probably the, the last three months, three, four months is how James Gunn has said that Rocket has been the secret protagonist uh, of all three of the movies. But in volume three, mm-hmm. you know, it's really mm-hmm. his backstory that pushes the story, the whole story, mm-hmm. because you get the flashbacks of how he was created, uh, why he is how he mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, his intelligence level. And then also at the same time, why the high evolutionary wanted his brain. You get all those pieced into it. What did you think about his character arc and how it was intertwined, especially with, um, you know, there's a, a large segment of the movie that Rocket per se isn't in mm-hmm. it, but really, you know, he is in it, but he's not. What'd you think? Yeah. I, hearing the secret protagonist thing, I was just laughing to myself now going back. Like, yeah, he really was the heart of a lot of these stories, even when. Yep. Even in number one, right, his like best friend dies and then he becomes the father to baby Groot. And then he stick he's the only one that sticks around through in Van Game uh, Infinity War and Endgame and has to deal with the loss of his friends. Mm-hmm. And like it really was that. And that's, that's beautiful. Um, but yeah, I thought it did a wonderful job. It did the Toy Story thing <laughs> where it made the ugly toys be something <laughs> you care about. You know, I looked left and right in theater. And everyone's crying at this fucking rabbit with a metal <laughs> trap on its face and spider legs. Horrifying looking because it died. Like you're crying. And then there's no humans in this story. But it's written so well that you're like, you really feel for this horrible little group of creatures. <clears throat> yeah. And I'm, I'm, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, yeah. And then that tying together of that whole arc, like it, it did a really good job. And you, like he really was secretly setting up this thing the whole time. Yeah. And even with like a lot of times you would have the thing that's special about Rocket, you wouldn't really have known it until this movie. You know, they do that a lot where like, oh, this movie's about the the butler, but really he was a spider. Like you didn't set that up. But with Rocket, every time you've ever seen him, he'll grab like two screws and a freaking pencil and then boom has a machine gun. You're like, you kind of take it for granted because it's Marvel and everything just appears because of nanotech, which is way overused. But <laughs> no, but you like it's kind of like how um, when you see Bloodsport put his guns together, like it's nanotech, but he has to physically get and build it. And you're like, oh, that's mm-hmm. impressive. Rocket's always been doing that. And he's literally engineering it on the fly. Yeah. So like when they bring up like, yeah, he's capable of, you know, invention in a way that none of the other creatures are like, oh, yeah, we've seen that for five movies. Yeah, it's part so of his genius. Like, yeah. And it's like, oh, it was there the whole time. You don't again, you took it for granted because they just presented it to you. But then when they're like, no, we want him because of his brain, like, oh, this really is like an incredible creature, like all these things we've seen him do. Yeah. I, one of the things I heard this weekend and listening and preparing for this episode was about how James Gunn said it was Rocket that made him want to do the, the movie. <laughs> he mm-hmm. was kind of on the fence <laughs> when the pitch came to him, but driving home, thinking about it and thinking, oh, wait, there's this unknown character. It's a... <laughs> It's a, it's a raccoon <laughs> and I can tell a story through him and give him a full character arc that mm-hmm. this is the, <laughs> this is basically the vessel I can use for this, 
this, this, this trilogy, that's what, you know, sparked it all. And even, um, I feel like there was this, uh, I think they said that he like drew this basically like character art on like a napkin mm. of Groot, <laughs> sorry, of Rocket. And it's like the whole equation. And then we actually saw that later on in some of the posters <laughs> with like a, a whole like equation that Rocket mm. had written out. And, you know, that all plays into <laughs> what Ron just said there. And that's part of the beauty of, I think, James Gunn's writing is that exactly what you said. We took it for granted, but it all was subtly there. Yeah. And then you notice that when you have those moments in the, the theater, even like this is like thinking about it later on. I mean, you're at home, mm-hmm. you're relaxing, you're thinking about the movie. You're like, wait a minute. And that, and then, I mean, we just had one of those moments later on yeah. as and we were watching. First Lila, Lila says it to him at the end of the movie. She's like, it was your story all along, Rocket. You're yeah. like, holy shit. It was. It was. <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, I think uh, we're both in agreement there with uh, the story arc there. Ron, what was your favorite scene or sequence in the movie? It could be emotional or it could be a fight scene. <laughs> yeah, my favorite was the the scene, the escape scene that culminates in him removing the high evolutionary's face. Oh. I thought that really, like you knew it was coming because yeah. they're not with, the, you know, we don't ever see them ever again. So you know what's coming. So like you have that dread of that, like you know you're about to have your heart broken. And then mm-hmm. when it happens, ugh. Mm. and then my second favorite sequence is when they reveal what he did to the high evolutionary's face. Mm. Okay. I was always nice. wondering why he had that RoboCop face on. That was a different skin tone than Chiquiti's actual skin tone. Like, wh- why does he look so different? Okay. Much different than. I- Go ahead. I did have umbrage with, so his ship's color scheme, that red and silver, very angular, that is the high evolutionary's comic book color scheme. And it's weird they turned him purple. Mm. But I have a theory for maybe why they did that coming you up. You want to see? Uh, when we get to our K point. Okay. <laughs> My favorite scene or sequence was definitely the the last fight scene that starts with the No Sleep Till Brooklyn. And oh, yeah, that was cool. <laughs> what we talk about with camera movement, camera angles, all I could think was how next level that had to be pre-planned and the creative elements of some of those are not even real people. They're literally, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's literally imaginary as you're filming it and the ability to go next level enough to film it, sequence it, put it all together and have it flow like that. I just felt like it was so next level. That's all I could think about that. How next level that it took for that, the skill set and the people involved with it, how many people had to be a part of that whole process of it. It was amazing. And I thought it was just so beautifully done. Just, I mean, you're back and forth, back and forth. You're following each character. You're following an arm, a Groot arm across. And all of a sudden, <laughs> you know, Mantis is swinging from it. And then all of a sudden you're following Nebula. It, there's so many pieces of it that uh, you, you, I feel like it's one of those scenes that you could watch probably <laughs> 10 times and you'll see something new each time it, with it. And, uh, you know, the the music, uh, it was just another example of how um, James Gunn uses music to you know tell the story as well so um that was definitely one of my favorite scenes that i was just yeah. in, in awe of and i, I really <laughs> like yours too the, the ones that you mentioned and i feel like i will have to go back and watch because there was so much going on i'm like but not in in like uh this is just noise and bullshit kind of way it's like i kind of want to see like in that back corner what was what were they doing before he came around and nebula cut that guy in half or whatever like yeah. i want to watch it again so i could w- look at a different corner and see some more cool stuff so that, yeah, yeah i really agreed. Really thought. agreed who was your favorite character in volume three? Um, interesting. I don't know. I kind of felt like 
I, w- I do wish they would have gave Drax a little bit more depth, but I, I like where it paid off. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think Nebula, honestly, I think she had a great arc too, just from, again, James going to really sell this arc through where she started as a straight up villain, right? We've seen her as that multiple versions of her in, in two different timelines, but she's a villain. She reluctantly helped them because of, you know, uh, rebelling against Thanos or whatever. And then mm-hmm. she ends up as being kind of the heart of the team and becomes this like mother figure to the whole of nowhere. And it was, it was really fun. I like to see her do that. Mine's actually the same, surprisingly. Oh, um, <laughs> not, not, not planned. And I don't know if I was like inceptioned before I went into the movie, <laughs> uh, but she had, <laughs> the actress that plays Nebula uh, mm-hmm. had retweeted something that I saw. Um, basically, I think it was a critic complimenting her story arc. Mm-hmm. And her portrayal of the character over three movies and how much it's evolved. And maybe because I saw that before, I just noticed it more. <laughs> you're but, looking for it. Yeah, but you're spot on too. Like, I mean, the connection that was built, I feel like this isn't, wasn't as apparent. But um, if you think about it, her intentions to save Rocket, you think about it, it was her and Rocket that were alone during the snap oh, yeah. for so long. Yeah. I mean, they built their connection. <laughs> they built that relationship together. So, and even when, when they see what happened to rocket, she had, they already knew they were connected because of all the things that had been done to them. But when she saw it like firsthand and she says, this is worse than what Thanos did to me. Like, I can't imagine that poor thing. So, like, yeah. you know, like she just, she feels so connected to him. Yeah. It's one of those things where maybe you didn't fully realize that on like, and, and seeing volume three, but they had, they have history together. They spent mm-hmm. so much time together. And so her having that kind of role in the movie, the uh, the mother figure in it, and ultimately becoming one of the administrators of of Nowhere, uh, it, it's Ooh. such a nice uh, character evolution throughout all three mm-hmm. of them, I thought. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get to the one that uh, I know that we're both in agree on again. And I know that you <laughs> talked about this already. But Adam Warlock, you know, he was teased in volume two. And mm-hmm. for how many movies we, we people and fans have been like, oh, we didn't get Adam Warlock in this. But <laughs> the James Gunn character, I feel like that he introduced it. So he's going to be the one that ultimately fully shows him. So we mm-hmm. finally get to see him. We, there was the fan or there was the casting of Will Poulter and it came as kind of a shock. But uh, what were your thoughts on it? I, I feel like we're going to go probably down the same direction on this. <laughs> the- this character feels like something that maybe Marvel because they tease it. Like you have to use it. Yep. He's the one, he's the one thing in the movie that honestly feels like it was kind of obligatory. Yep. Um, Like I said, I wish they would give Drax more depth, but like it feels like purposeful because maybe they'll come back to that story or they just wanted to say like, no, he's really just this guy. He ends up being, but with Warlock, it just felt like we had to use him. So here Mm -hmm. he is. Yeah. Um, And I think James was like, okay, well, like you said, if I set it up, I'm going to use it. And at least there's a couple beats for him to be important. I did think it was weird that they're they're so welcoming to him. He's the reason they had to do all of this stuff. Yeah. He showed up and terminally injured uh, Rocket. Yeah. So it's like, um, I, I get it. They want to forgive him, but it's like feels a little ham-fisted because you're like, I don't know. And I know Marvel needed him to because like we need this character moving forward. I did think it was great practice as far as like Superman like abilities. So <laughs> it was some interesting stuff there. Mm-hmm. I. I did think Will Poulter looked great. You know, he played, he was very funny. He like played it earnest, like a, a child, like he's supposed to be. Yeah. Um, but I, I liked his initial armor, but when he lost the armor and they put him in the guardian suit, I told my wife this, 
the the prosthetic work and the paintwork is amazing, right? But being that gold, when he's wearing the gold and like mm. red accent armor, it looks really good. It all blends. But when you put him in the leather suit, it looks like a guy painted gold. <laughs> and up and then you know the leather suit was a little bit loose and like his armor had like the bulkiness so he looked like a big imposing guy he just looked like a guy painted gold in a leather jacket and i thought mm-hmm. that was a little obviously he won't ever you'll never see him in that costume again but uh, yeah. i thought that was weird yeah i thought the the same that it was just kind of a if he wasn't in it probably wouldn't have noticed um yeah. <laughs> and uh it i feel like they had to do it but at the same time uh, you know, I didn't have any issue with the portrayal of it. I don't, mm. I think that that might be some, uh, people that are big fans of Adam Warlock. That'd be, be something that they're s- stuck on is, and is I think they're lying. They're, yeah. You're lying. No one's <laughs> like Adam Warlock, my favorite character. <laughs> they're probably just looking for something to be mad about James Gunn about. <laughs> and it's one of those things that like, you think about it. Okay. He's not a fully developed, uh, individual. He probably is naive about things and he's learning how to act as a, uh, as an individual. Yeah. He's going to mm-hmm. take some time. So <laughs> yeah, it, it was, and they even mentioned that, that they woke him up too early and he wasn't done. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I thought it was same, same Z's on all that kind of stuff. Um, one of the other ones that I thought was actually, I liked and talking about Quill and Gamora's love story arc continue mm-hmm. and how it played on screen. Um, this has been something actually new for me and there's another podcast episode I'm working on. That's going to be a rankings. And there's a show that I'm going to talk about that. I actually appreciated that something that is kind of done in this is not everything has to be a love story. Like every mm-hmm. love story doesn't need to be fixed. Every uh, main character doesn't need to have, uh, you know, the love story arc. Mm-hmm. And I like that they didn't come back together. I think yeah. that, uh, Gamora going back with the Ravagers and just the, the smiles and they're so happy. That's her family now. Yes, yeah. you're sad for Peter, but now he gets his own story arc on Earth, which I'm sure, or it definitely didn't connect with what's going to be <laughs> yeah. happening in the future. Yeah. But it, I'm happy that it didn't connect. What'd you think? I agreed. I thought it would have been so, I was hoping they wouldn't do it because obviously in the trailer, they kind of tease it. I'm yeah. so glad they didn't because not everything needs to be happily ever after. And it didn't make yeah. sense. Like this, the other Gamora lived with him and, and was a team for but six, seven years before she died. So to reset all that and her to be like, okay, well, I'll just do it because you said so. Doesn't make sense for the character. Doesn't make sense for the story. And I was also very glad that they didn't have him, you know, when he like jokingly turns a nebula, I was like, never notice how black your eyes are. I was like, yeah. please don't do that. Now, don't be yeah. like, oh, I can't, <laughs> I can't get with my girlfriend because she doesn't remember me. Let me date her sister. Like, no. I was, I agree. Very satisfying that they didn't do that. Yeah. Agreed. Now this is kind of a, I, and I feel like we've done this practice before where we talk about future guardians teams. And um, I feel like there was, there wasn't set up. There was just potential teases. I thought in this two teases. Mm-hmm. Now there's one with rocket and his team at the end that, mm-hmm. you know, that's one of the post credit scenes or mid credit scenes, if you want to call it. And you can, theorize on the characters that were used in it and if that's going to be the guardians team of or if they will make a movie going forward or will stakar uh ogard uh sylvester come into mm-hmm. the fold with it and they I mean they showed them again mm-hmm. and that's where nebula is so <clears throat> what do you think ron do you think that 
there's going to be one of those teams moving forward that they'll make a movie with? Or um, do you think that uh, they're do a mixture? I thought it was very convenient. Uh, the only uh, actors from the original Guardians that stuck around are the ones that don't have to show up in person. Okay. <laughs> uh, and I love that James Gunn was like, and guess who's on the team? My fucking brother. Twice. So you're going to have to keep this guy around. <laughs> okay. Because uh, anybody who doesn't know, um, Craglin is played by James Gunn's brother, Sean, who also mm-hmm. does the mocap for Rocket. So he's in that, that team twice. Yeah. Uh, and that that young girl, I forget her name, but she's the hero Quasar. Mm-hmm. Just if anybody's wondering, she kind of shares the Captain Marvel um, power. So that might connect down the line. I think the way to do it, especially alone is 76 years old, um, to have his team come in contact, like Guardians 4, it's going to be a new director, we already know that, have his team come into contact with these Guardians because um, Starhawk, Sylvester Stallone's character, has died. And Starhawk 2, maybe his son, is out for revenge or something, and the Guardians are like, hey man, you're doing this wrong. And that could be another family-building story to start all over again. And I thought that maybe um, just logistically, the Gamora Star Wars thing was perfect too, because both of them have said that they are open to maybe coming back, but probably not. And if you had them end up happily ever after and you convinced, say, Zoe Saldana to come back, are you just going to be like, oh, yeah, Star-Lord died off screen? Or he yeah. just, you know, not, not to make light of the actual death of Paul Walker, but like his character in Fast and Furious, they literally like, oh, he's babysitting the kids. Like, <laughs> I under, like it, it's the tragedy. But as far as um, narratively speaking, it's just a weird thing to have him go four movies of he's just over there. Don't look, but he's over there babysitting the kids. Mm-hmm. And then inverted for, you know, you come to an earthbound thing. Is Star-Lord going to live at his grandpa's house with this green murder lady? Like, no. Uh, so I thought it was nice to break them up. And then you could you could have Gamora just have left this team of the Ravagers to go look for Quill. You know, yeah. there's like a real narrative reason for her to be gone. And then when you cut back to Quill, mm-hmm. they could be like saying, you know, saying goodbye one more time or something. I don't know. But I think that would be, would be the way to do it is get a big name to play Starhawk too, have him in search of his father or something. Or, you know, and I think that'd be a way to combine those teams because there are a lot of cool OG characters like Michael Rosenbaum's character, the little uh, free, uh, Martin X. Mm-hmm. There's a little floating head and the snake guy. Like, there's a lot of cool things you can do with that. So that's what I would hope to see. Yeah. Yeah. I think um, I think the director that potentially takes it over, um, you know, will need to be <laughs> as creative as uh, James Gunn or at least have some. A, a really solid direction with it because of there's a standard of, I feel like those types of Marvel movies with that many characters and it takes a lot. And we've seen ones that fall apart with mm-hmm. too many characters and character arcs getting basically just put to the side. So I think the director will be a big piece of it, but uh, we'll see in the next five, 10 years what they do with that. Now we didn't review Ant-Man <laughs> and I think that, um, you know, it was one that I know I was disappointed with Ant-Man, but going into it and even walking out of it, a lot of people were high on Jason or just sorry, Jonathan Majors. And that might change moving forward. Mm-hmm. But uh, we could talk about that. But also, I think the first question I want to ask you is, what did you think in terms of High Evolutionary versus Kang and the portrayals of them? Who you? They were both solid performances. I thought Kang was the best thing of uh, Ant Man, Quantumania, uh, and I thought that High Evolutionary. I don't think he was uh, the big thing I walked by. I just thought it was a portrayal that 
was memorable. Mm-hmm. What, do you, what do you think? Uh, I think the acting wise, it's you're not going to be able to say that Jonathan Major didn't do a great job. Obviously, yeah. there's a lot of very unfortunate things that he maybe has done in his personal life that are going to change the landscape of his career. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that if he did those things, rightfully so. Um, but yeah, his portrayal, I thought, was very good. The character itself was very nerfed. Like, it didn't make any sense. His powers would change. Sometimes he didn't have powers. Sometimes it was all over the place. I did not yeah. like the the character itself, how it was used. But the portrayal was wonderful. Um, High Evolutionary, I think, was top to bottom. Like, they gave him his powers. They showed him use them. There was never a time where he just conveniently stopped using them. This is a, a bit of a, a tangent here. But I was very happy. I love it when people pay attention. So at the beginning, when, what are you doing on the ceiling rocket? I just want to see if my gravity boots work. <laughs> then you see him use it again in the escape. Then when he's fighting the high evolutionary who has even said with this suit, gravity itself bends at my will. So we said that he's not using like a force field. He's changing the gravity when he, he applies the suit to you. Then rocket enacts the gravity boots. You've seen him use twice. Chekhov's gun. They plant it. They remind you, they pay it off. And it's like, oh, that was beautiful. It wasn't a guy who's so powerful that he can just blow you up through a wall and build all this stuff. But then when a couple ants show up, his suit doesn't work anymore and he just gets beaten. Like that doesn't make any fucking sense. You know, narratively speaking, it's unsatisfying and mm-hmm. no, nothing on anybody who made it. It just, you, you know it when you feel it, when you see it and it just didn't work. Um, so I did think high evolutionary was a, a winner in that category for me. Now this goes back to what they did with high evolutionary. So I was looking up pictures and the comic version wears a, a red and silver helmet when he takes it off, his face actually is quite disfigured. So it makes sense. They maybe changed it to like, okay, instead of wearing the helmet, we want Chuck Weedy's face. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was interesting. They have two characters who are historically random colors. Like, um, you know, Kang is blue. Um, High Evolutionary is red. And they cast him as two African-American <laughs> actors and put them in purple suits. I thought that was interesting. Now, I'm thinking maybe Marvel had some sort of inclination that something might happen with Jonathan Majors. Maybe there was rumblings. So they put them both in the same color suit. They cast both African-American actors. I'm not, I know that James Gunn purposely passed, cast Chuck Weedy, but I'm just thinking this as a, a conspiracy theorist tin hat here. Mm-hmm. Maybe he's wearing that purple because this high evolutionary is a Kang variant. So when you have to, this is what I would do, because if you have to replace a guy who is a powerhouse of an actor who was playing 10,000 versions of himself and has to be in every single movie, you're going to want to replace him with somebody who can match that performance. And I think Chuck Weedy is the kind of person that, like we said, you can throw him in. He, he, he will fucking crush it. Mm-hmm. So they kind of left themselves in a, a, like a lane here because they, they didn't give any particular origin for the high evolutionary. They didn't say his name is Gabe and he's definitely not a Kang variant. He said he's been doing this for millennia. Why is he so old? What kind of alien is he? Maybe he is another Kang variant who found his way into this universe and it was like, okay, this is perfect for me. I don't need to take over everything. Yeah. Just he, saying, we know Kang loves purple. Every version of Kang wears purple. So that's a him. good avenue to replace him. And yeah, he did say even that he had been to Earth. He didn't say he was born on Earth. They didn't right. really give any of that type of background that you're talking about. And I mean, I'd seen people <laughs> tin hat that as well, that same type <laughs> of <laughs> breakdown as, as well. Yeah. I think it's a, it gives you the option. And I think that fans, <laughs> I feel like they wouldn't be upset at all. They would not actually be super stoked. <laughs> Especially and, if you're seeing this performance. Like, yeah, I would want to see him in more, more stuff. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if, if that out happens, it's one of the, 
one of the the best, the luckiest outs you'll ever For see sure. with like a with this level of um, we'll say setup and universe. Uh, you mm-hmm. you don't get that come around and be able to just subtly subtly be able to do that and be like, okay, yeah, this character is this character, and <laughs> and fans be like, yep, I see that, yeah, yeah. okay, yeah, yeah and there's no there's, and there's no there's no reason why it couldn't be. Like, okay, it just is. He just looks different. But it's, you know, similar powers even to their suits. Like, but one of them has an explanation and pays off. (laughs) Yeah. Well, uh, I agreed with uh, a lot of that stuff. Now, uh, we saved this question for the end here um, because earlier we were talking about potentials of who might show up in Superman Legacy. Mm. Now, we saw some James Gunn cameos, we'll call them. And I want to know who is your favorite? This is the kind of wrap up this main set uh, from Guardians Volume Three. Who was your favorite cameo? I really like Nathan Fillion's character. I thought it was fun. Usually mm-hmm. he gets cameos and this kind of stuff, and it's like a one liner or he's the detachable kid, and yeah. then just dies. So it was fun to see him do something else. I like uh, Daniela Melchior showing up, the Rat Catcher too. She was Uda. Yeah, it, it's funny to see her like in the red makeup. Like you've never seen what this woman actually really looks like because she's all yeah. I was gonna say Tidal. Uh, which is like a slang for looking bad. But she's all like dusty looking and slat, rat catcher too. Mm-hmm. Um, who else was good? I thought it was funny that, you know, uh, Michael Rosenbaum, Michael Rosenbaum was back as Martin X, famously Lex Luthor from Smallville. And mm-hmm. he's really good friends with James Gunn. So I kept waiting for that character to have something to do. And I was like, oh man, he, you know, he's in a bunch of scenes, but he doesn't say anything or do anything. And mm-hmm. the very last time he takes Gamora onto the ship, he goes, you ready to go kid? To give him a line. <laughs> Because he gets that line, he gets paid more to be in the movie. And I thought that was my favorite cameo. Because I'm like, that's a, bu- that's a freaking homie right there. He's like, hey, bro, you're going to be in this. There's nothing for you to do, but you're going to have a line. So your rate goes up. There you go. That's a, that's a good one. I mean, uh, mine, and I don't know why I'm drawing a blank on James Gunn's actual wife in real life. I'm trying to like Jennifer, skim. Jennifer Holland. There we go. At, uh, I like that she was in it because I know that it probably pissed off a lot of fans. <laughs> Uh, because she is very, she is very good though too. She's always she's very a good. great actress. She's no, amazing anything. in Peacemaker. Yeah, I mean she's a great actress, and I don't. I just think it's funny that all of a sudden it's an <laughs> issue for some for some fans that directors use people that they like when right. every director. I mean, I'm a Nolanite. I, I, I am pissed off though that we didn't get a. Oh, okay, I left the space so you can drop in there. John Cena cameo. I oh. left the space so you can put in there. <laughs> that would have been great. But uh, <laughs> I mean, she's a good actress and to see her in it, I just know it made so many people mad. And that's probably why it's my favorite. <laughs> that um, that wraps up our main set for vol- volume three of Guardians of the Galaxy. We'd love to hear what you think about it. Leave us a comment on one of our platforms, social media platforms, but let's get this thing wrapped up. Getting to now our wrap up and already a solid episode, I feel like in terms of a lot of great content here for our listeners and potentially uh, new subscribers to get an idea of what we're putting out in the- with our Movie Buffs podcast. And to wrap us up, to give us a little segue to our cool down we're gonna do a little exercise that i call ranking the following trilogies now the five trilogies how'd you come up with that name keep made it myself huh (laughs) that um (laughs) that we're going to be ranking they're all marvel based but it's all our own personal opinion here and Mm -hmm. you can also give us your 
own personal opinion on these five. The five are Iron Man, Captain America, Spider-Man, Ant-Man, and Guardians of the Galaxy. Ron, mm-hmm. where are you putting uh, all five of these? Is Thor out of the running because there's four? Uh, <laughs> no, I just thought that Dark World really puts a, <laughs> a dark cloud over <laughs> Thor. Thor the Dark Thor. I got to say, I might catch some flack for this one, but Spider-Man's number one for me. Because yeah, it's the, I'm a big Spider-Man fan, and it's the only one that doesn't have a movie that I am mad on. Captain America would be number two because obviously Civil War and Winter Soldier are great. Captain America one, I was kind of met on. Mm-hmm. Um, and tied for number two is Guardians for the same reason. Guardians two for me, just objectively, very good movie, very well made. It just some of the stuff didn't hit for me. Um, so tied at two is Cap and Guardians, and then Iron Man would be number four. Mm-hmm. Uh, Iron Man two, everybody kind of agrees it's more of a treading water thing, like just set stuff up. Nothing, it didn't break any ground. And Iron Man three. I know some people love it. For me, it wasn't didn't hit. So for me, Cap, uh, Iron Man only gets one. That's a really good. So that one's number four. And number five is Ant-Man. Because yeah. Ant-Man 1 was fun. I love Luis. Ant-Man mm-hmm. 2, couldn't tell you anything about it, but I love Luis. Ant-Man <laughs> 3, Jonathan Majors had a good performance. Yeah. yeah. So you kind of get none of them for me are solid enough to put like way up there. Yeah. I, I think with, I'll, I'll reverse it here with five ant-man and i mean with two i mean i feel like there were so many storylines they just left out for like for some other director to potentially pick up mm-hmm. in a future marvel project um but uh number five ant-man four for me i'm gonna put iron man i mean iron man the original one i mean i feel like it's iconic that it sets off so much and introduces us to a new character but i mean even going back now and looking at it if that movie had the budget of what Marvel movies have now and even the technology of what they have now, I think it'd be probably pushing up there for like a, a fantastic movie. Um, <laughs> three, this is where it gets tough for me. I feel like I'm going to put Captain here. Mm-hmm. Two years ago, I probably would have put Captain America higher, but uh, how I joked about in the beginning, I'm just really off put by the Russo brothers and the movies that they make. The, <laughs> I feel like they got a lot of, a lot of like street cred for Infinity War, Infinity War, um, and also Endgame, but also, um, what is that? Uh, Winter Soldier, Civil Winter War, Soldier, Community, Arrested Development. When uh, I already talked about in the beginning with John Wick and fight sequence and whatnot, I feel like they're very sloppy sequences now when I watch them. That's why I'm putting them there. So and now let's just say it's not against them, it's just the bar is so high. Yeah, uh, the the game has been raised, and sometimes it that does change your perception, people, and that's fair. Yeah, and then, ooh, I might, I'm probably gonna go the same exact what you did actually. Guardians <laughs> two, get off my nuts, bro. You actually did a tie. I'm gonna break my tie. Okay, I'll, you know I had to live a tie because it breaks the rules. I can't do your rules. That's why <laughs> I got these sunglasses on because I'm a bad boy. That's why I got the Tim Crazy Man's on because I'm so out of control. <laughs> There's no way these things can fall off. I could ride these on a water slide in a moped and they wouldn't fall off unless I want them to when I loosen this guy up. Okay. I'll anyway. come back. I'll come back to that joke too. <laughs> uh, so guardians and then one Spider-Man just because it's a complete trilogy. In my opinion, it's a complete yeah. trilogy that only grows and grows with each installment. It gets mm-hmm. bigger, it gets better. And I feel like 
it's hard to do that, especially, I mean, the last one, it's so hard to get how many pieces they had to get to get Tobey Maguire and mm-hmm. also Andrew Garfield in that, how hard they had to work for that and even yeah. Daredevil to get in. So um, it's pretty impressive in that aspect and what it does for the future. So that has been mine. The one joke that I was going to pay off here is whatever Ron was saying just about a minute ago, that mm-hmm. is the the cue to make sure that you go watch this on YouTube. Watch <laughs> Watch this version of the episode on YouTube. Make sure you subscribe. Make sure that you follow us on YouTube as we continue to grow our podcast. Let's get Leave now a comment to- every time you see me changing liquids. There you go. <laughs> Let's now get to our post-workout takeaway and our final thought here. Ron, what is, as you all know, our listeners know that we actually do work in the fitness industry. Ron, what is your post-workout takeaway? So I sit here, I contemplate my post-workout takeaway. While drinking my pre-workout. A little ironic, isn't it? What I want to give to you, my dear listeners, my movie buff aficionados, is this piece of advice. Have confidence and have faith in yourself. You are good enough to do the things you want to do and get the things you want to get out of life. But you are never too good to stop learning and getting better. And by learning... And getting better and improving yourself, you improve your chances to get those things that you are good enough and deserve to have. And that's my takeaway. Great job, Ronald. Thanks Very fucking. I got blacked out. What happened? <laughs> if you see Great. a possum, kill it. It's not a pet. <laughs> Great job. That has been our episode on Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. As always, make sure that you do all the podcast things. Make sure you follow us on your favorite podcasting platform. Leave us a review as that helps this podcast get out into the universe. And as always, thank you for being a listener. And we will catch you in the next one. Stay buff. 